Don't you like being able to hear yourself in the headphones? Mm, I don't think I do. Really? Well, well it's not about hearing me. I think it's more about, I don't, I don't want to say it's like about hearing you that's irritating, but it is like I never had the issue before where I felt like I needed to hear you or I amplified. Hey, little mama, let me whisper in your ear. <laughs> this is a series, a series for financial advisors. We offer easy to implement marketing and practice management advice. This is The Stephen and Kevin Show. Welcome back, everybody. It's a big day here at Oxley, episode number 100 of The Stephen and Kevin Show. A day we thought would never come, but we're here, right? 100. I thought it would come. <laughs> if you listen back to the previous episodes, there was one where we introed it and I said, we're going to get to 100. And you looked at me and you were like, oh, really? Do you remember this? How many episodes ago was that? It was probably like five in. Okay. I was really motivated. It took us five years. Well, we got to 100. 100, here we are. So uh, today, what better topic to talk about than podcasting in general, podcasting for financial advisors? Yeah, you'll notice we upgraded a little bit, some better microphones, got some headphones. We uh, changed our, our set. So uh, we're always improving. Yeah. You know, sometimes we go a little bit longer in between episodes than we would like to. Sure. Right? Uh, and I think that's natural. And we'll talk more today about financial advisors getting into podcasting. It's not a perfect science in terms of how often you put them out. It's more of the effort that goes into it, making sure they're good. And at times you go through revamping efforts where you redo your, your studio or your setup and uh, you know, it feels good when you're back, but it does d delay you a little bit. Yeah. It's like we get into a little bit of an in-between phase where we're like, well, we don't want to shoot an episode when it's not totally done. So we want to make sure the new setup is complete. And we we're kind of in that in-between phase for a little bit. So we're hoping to get back on that horse and, uh, and do it more regularly. So uh, podcasting for financial advisors is not a, uh, a new topic, I would say. I mean, they, they have been around for a long time, but something we're happy to explore today, in part because we're launching a new service for financial advisors in podcasting, which we'll, we'll talk about, uh, but also because we believe in that medium. And so we're going to share with you, first of all, today, you know, why we think podcasting is important for financial advisors uh, and, and also some tips for doing it properly, right? It's new for many people. Yeah. And, and when we think back to why we started a podcast, like why did we get started five years ago? I know that we were inspired by some podcasters at the time. And, you know, even even Gary Vee, I know it was, a, it was a big inspiration for us. And we said, oh, we need to do that. We wanted to build more thought leadership. And that was really important to us as well. Um, so there was a lot of reasons that we got into it, but we didn't see the benefit immediately. Right. It took some time. But now I'd say it's an essential component to our business. Yeah, I think back then it was speculative and just was was part and parcel to our experimentation type of philosophy that yeah. back then and still today, you know, if there's something new or newish, we kind of want to try it out. Sure. And, you know, podcasting was one of those that stuck uh, and, and not, as you pointed out, Kevin, not because we saw immediate results out of it, not right. because we, we did a few of these and were really wowed by it. I think when you look back to some of the earliest episodes, they were good, not great. You know, we were learning. Yeah. And, you know, certain things we, we'd certainly go back and, and improve in terms of the quality of content, how we recorded it, and all, all of those things. But, you know, there were some early signs that it was working and resonating that led us to do more of it. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we started, we started hearing from friends and family that they're watching it, right? Or they thought it was interesting. <clears throat> we got some hate messages, right? I mean, you get all kinds of, of reactions. Uh, feedback. I say hate, hate message. I say like trolls, you know, on, online. And that's going to happen. Uh, undoubtedly, but um, a couple stats here on podcasting and just the growth of it. And this goes into the why we think it's important as well. In 2012, only 29% of U.S. respondents had ever listened to an audio podcast. 
but the figure has grown, increased annually and reached 57% in 2021. That's a, that's a big growth. Mm -hmm. um, and then another stat here, in 2021, 43% of Gen Z consumer podcasts um, consumed podcasts weekly or more. 48% of millennials, 23% of boomers, and 17% of the greatest generation. I mean, you're just seeing more and more adoption of this medium. Can I also point out, did they get to name their generation? The greatest, the greatest generation. generation. No. Uh, but, you know, podcasting is a bit of a, of a youth play. Yeah. That as you look forward uh, towards the future of where your clients may be going forward, not so much where many of your clients are now, as you look at those stats and you think, well, it's the younger generations that have you know more embraced podcasting. But where your clients are going to be in the coming years and decades uh, is going to be in the more digitally inclined group. Yeah, and I think it's just it's easy to consume, right? It's it's so much it's passive consumption sometimes as well. Right? When you're when you're exercising, right, or when you're in your car on a commute, it's just it's it's. I think that ease of consumption makes it such an easy medium to embrace and to listen to. Yeah, I also think there's something to the fact that it's a, a local voice on there, a friendly mm, voice on there, and that you know many of the podcasts your clients may subscribe to now are more national in nature. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know it, it could be NPR, it could be Joe Rogan, it could be you know, any any number of things, right? There's, there's tons of podcasts out there. Uh, but having somebody local that you know personally who puts together an entertaining podcast is still a little bit of a novelty, even though podcasting itself has been around. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we did say like, yes, I mean, you see a lot of growth that's been around for a while. I think Apple started the trend years ago with, with releasing podcasts, but for advisors, still very new. Yeah, well, I think because of the environment we're in, you know, when, when you talk to marketing agencies out there and you, you talk about certain cutting edge trends or things that are old hat, some of the things that they would say are old hat are still very much blossoming for financial advisors true. because of the regulatory environment that you're in, right? So you know, certain things that have been around a long time are still relatively fresh and untapped for you. There's, you know, relatively speaking, not that many financial advisor podcasts. Right. In your local market, how many of your competitors actually have one? There's, so there's still some novelty to it mm -hmm. that, uh, yeah, hey, you want to be first come. I'll tell you what got me hooked on podcasting was that serial series. You remember that? Oh, yeah. That was so well done. And I think it actually helped you know, propel podcasting in general, but that was a fairly long time ago. Cause I yeah. remember, you remember, here, here's my specific memory. When you said that is us running laps at the Y mm -hmm. remember that upstairs, yep. you know, you had to run 10 laps for it to be a mile. Yes. Yep. And, and you would get to what? Six or seven. <laughs> but, no, I'm kidding. But no, we would run laps up there and that's when we got into that serial podcast. It was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And there's so many others now that, uh, that are fun to follow, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's interesting thinking back on that. Why do we think it's good content for advisors? And there, there's a, a number of, of different reasons, but one of the biggest ones is it's a medium where you can get deep, right? I can actually expand upon a topic. And the other is the authenticity that comes with it. It's your voice, right? This is not boilerplate, cookie-cutter content. Yes, it, it, it takes more energy to create, but it's your unique voice and your unique viewpoint and that makes it so interesting and so powerful. Yeah, and we can talk a lot about the consumer trends and what they're after and how podcast is growing in general. But I think more importantly, you look at what most financial advisors are doing content-wise. Oh, and there's a lot of boilerplate. There there's is. a lot of boring. There's a lot of mass produced out there. And we as a company think it's time to move on from that. Agreed. You know, just because there's you know, there are some, you know, we'll go unnamed, some fairly large players out there who put out tons of mass produced content and it's easy and inexpensive for you to get into doesn't make it the right play. 
Exactly. Like you, you wrote an article recently, Stephen, you said just because uh, you can buy sushi at a gas station doesn't mean it's a good decision. Yeah. And I think there's some, <laughs> you know, I don't know where that came from. But, well, maybe, uh, maybe it, you purchased sushi, sushi. You had a bad experience with it, right? At a gas but, station. You know, just because it is popular and because it's accessible and it's already compliance approved does not make it compelling content. It's Thank boring, you. right? It's time yes. to move on from it. And for, you know, a, a little bit of extra effort, you know, rolling up your sleeves, becoming you yourself as the financial advisor, more involved in the creation of whether it be graphics, mm -hmm. podcast, video, articles, pretty much anything that you have a hand in creating is going to be perceived by your clients, COIs, and prospects as better. Yeah. And they'll actually stop and want to consume it. Right. Yeah. Um, there's, um, it, that's, that's a big part of it. There's a, a guy that I'm connected to on LinkedIn named Ryan Stark, and he, um, he put out a post and this actually speaks to the, the the power of content. He put out a post almost probably a year ago, and it said something like, "You know, good content is your employee who's working for you twenty four seven." And I was like, "Oh," and that really resonated with me because he's so right. Like, you start creating this content, this library of content, especially when it comes to a podcast, and when you're sleeping at night, someone could be consuming that, right? And it's like it's like you're, he said it's your you, and every time you're adding to that content, it's like you're bolstering your workforce. I love it. I know. Well, it's you know, we're in a, a scrolling culture. Yeah. You know, and when you are willing to put in the effort, you can put yourself in the palm of people's hands at any time of the day or night. And think about the difference here in mass-produced versus uh, more personal in the world of podcasting. Let's say you know someone at a a fun company that you you you, you partner with has a podcast, and you share that through your social networks. Maybe a couple of your clients who are really, you know, the engineer types are going to listen to that because mm. they're curious about the, you know, <laughs> what forms the basis of the recommendations you're bringing. But the vast majority of people are not, right. as opposed to saying me, myself, I'm putting together a podcast that's, uh, you know, my viewpoint on certain areas of personal finance or me interviewing local prominent business leaders. You know, it's a heck of a lot more compelling. Definitely. Definitely. So hopefully we've convinced you as to why this is a great medium. Can I also say, you know, with podcasting, I think it's helpful for financial advisors because there's this notion that it is going to be a series and we all have competing priorities, yeah. right? And for most people, podcasting or writing an article or doing a video is not number one on your list of priorities every week. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes people will get into writing an article or doing a video and it doesn't have as much staying power because it can and often is a one-off or a two-off, yeah. right? Where podcasting by nature is meant to be a series. So there's some obligation to keep it up and to develop some good habits. There's some self-accountability yeah, there of absolutely. like, gosh, I need to put out another episode. Yeah, we feel guilty when we're not doing a podcast. It's like, I know, yes, we're due. We need to right. get back there. Well, because you start, when you get get some momentum going, you start building subscribers. and They're kind of waiting on that next one. I'd also say, and this, you know, we think about it in different generations. If you're a younger financial advisor, you may embrace podcasting because your target market, being younger professionals, younger business owners, younger physicians, are into it. If sure. you are a more seasoned financial advisor, I think there's a whole other set of reasons why you get into it in terms of seeming relevant, maybe quote unquote hip, mm -hmm. right? There's there's something too, even if you're a more seasoned advisor saying, I just launched a podcast, Yeah, right? I there's agree. some relevancy there. There's some credibility that's established with uh, you know certain target markets. I've got a podcast on business owners. Oh, you're a business owner? Yeah, I know you. Right. Exactly. And we, we interviewed Jason Pereira for one of our podcasts, and he has, a, he has a great podcast going up in Canada. And he talked about that. He said, you know, if I'm meeting with someone 
And during the course of conversation, it comes up that I have a podcast that's specific to them. It's like, I, I have authority. Like yeah, I have totally. instant credibility. Totally. Yeah. So even though we talk a lot about, and we get a ton of questions about what's the ROI of certain marketing initiatives, it's nearly impossible to state your ROI of your podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, I look at it, number one, as establishing some thought leadership and credibility and all the things we've talked about thus far. But I'd also look at it as a way to amplify all of your existing strategies. Yep. So think about it. If one of your strategies is to work with CPAs and attorneys in the area, if they subscribe to your podcast, every time they listen, you're establishing more credibility mm -hmm. that you're trustworthy, knowledgeable, you're a learner, you're smart. Like that's building credibility with that audience. Yeah. If you have friends of yours who are subscribing to your podcast, they may not do business with you now, but they're learning an awful lot about you as a professional, a whole different side that they've never seen before. Yeah. Right. So it's amplifying your social prospecting in that regard. I, I agree. And Even then, with existing clients. Yeah. You know, what, what happens when you start bringing, bringing guests on who are your target market, right? Or who are a potential center of influence, right? It just takes it to an entirely another level. So if you already are, if you already can't stop yourself right now from thinking about what is specifically the ROI of prospecting. Yeah. Or podcasting. What did I say? Um, prospecting. Yeah. What's the, they're, they're very similar words. <laughs> Yeah. What is the ROI of podcasting? It's something you've got to be able to move beyond. I agree. Like, and, it, and it's, I think by nature, the way that we work in terms of being able to experiment with things without a lot of hope of what's going to happen, because we've had some bust, we've had some wins. Sure. Um, but I think you have to have that experimental mentality if you're going to get into digital marketing, because at first, you're not going to be able to prove the ROI. No. You mentioned earlier, you know, that we didn't have a lot of success at first with our podcast. I'd say most of our, you know, our quote unquote leads now are you know, coming to us without any outbound push, right? right? They're more, we're more magnetic at this point. We've been at it a long time, but in the early days, signs of success for us were things like, you know, you mentioned earlier, Kevin, that we were at the airport one time. And I remember this, we were in Tampa, mm -hmm. right? In the Tampa airport, which we go to pretty often. And we're going up the escalator. And I see a guy I hadn't seen. I used to live beside him years ago, right? Hadn't thought about him. I don't stay in contact with him. And he sees me and I see him and he's like, Hey, and we're passing each other going up and down the escalator. And he goes, I've been watching your podcast. And I was thinking, I know what I know you've been. You're not a financial advisor. No. You have, he's in the sign manufacturing business. <laughs> what is he doing? Listening to our yeah. podcast. Yeah. Made, one of made those, me feel like a celebrity. Hey, big shot here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right now. Cause I have no idea who he is, but he, he, he spotted us. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, anyway, it's like, those are some of the early signs that it's actually having traction and people care about it. Same, so, so if you're an advisor and you're thinking about how am I measuring the ROI, one of the first things is going to be those early signs of like clients, friends, and family saying, hey, I saw that podcast that was really interesting, or I've been, I, I checked out that episode on whatever it might be. That's an early sign. Yeah. And then we move into the world of clients perhaps sharing your podcast with others. Yep. And that's an even better sign that things are working. Yep. And ultimately, you hope that people are subscribing to it because you're building, you know, that, that people are coming to you because they subscribe, they've listened to your stuff, they they trust that you know what you're doing. Yeah. So you think about the first stage is almost just completely qualitative people talking to you, telling us they've heard it. Second phase could be, I'm starting to get more views or you know, more downloads, more listens on my podcast, right? Um, I say views because we always multi-purpose our podcast. We also put it up on YouTube. Um, and then the third phase would be you bring in clients who said, well, I heard, you know, I, I consume your podcast. I listen to it. Right. And you, and you should be asking everyone how they heard about you anyway. But, you know, I, I envision those kind of being three distinct phases that 
kind of build over time. Here's one of the things that we see by doing a lot of not just podcasts, but video content articles over the years is that when people first encounter us over the phone, if we get into the, well, let me tell you a little bit about Oxley methodology, or we let me tell you a little bit about the research. They're like, hey, hey no, I, I got all that. Like yeah, we, we know. And I, I think financial advisors see the same thing after someone has subscribed to you for a little while or seen a lot of your videos that they're like, no, I, I get who you are. I get the, the you know, your differentiators. Mm -hmm. You know, let's let's cut to how it may apply to my specific situation. Yeah, they know what we stand for from a marketing standpoint already, right? We don't have to sell them on that. And the same thing will happen to you as an advisor as you start putting up more content. Hey, so, before we get into... Yep, I was going to say, let's uh, let's talk about... Well, you know, before we get into it, I do want to drop a quick plug for our podcasting service. And the, uh, the idea behind this program was to make it both easier for financial advisors to podcast and to make their podcast better, mm -hmm. right? So when we are back here in the Oxley Laboratory dreaming up this program, what it's built to do, yeah, the lab This is here. the lab. Uh, you know, on the easier side of things, we thought, you know, it's intimidating to edit the footage. I don't care if it's audio or video. Agreed. It's intimidating. You've got to be pretty good at it. It's hard to find somebody to build a quality intro for your podcast, mm -hmm. to do the graphic design necessary and the wordsmithing necessary to put up your cover art yep. and your, your podcast description. It's hard to find ideas. Like, where do you get the ideas for a good podcast? Mm -hmm. So on the easier side, we provide all of that. We do the editing. We build your cover art. We create a custom intro for you and those sorts of things. And from a better perspective, I mean, you can go and download Audacity if you want to. Sure. You can use Canva to design cover art. Sure. But you're probably not very good at it, <laughs> right? <laughs> you can, uh, one of our clients said, hey, you can, uh, you can dig a pool in your backyard yourself if you want to. But do you really want to? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we know that with our help, you know, we've been at this for a while. We've got graphic design talent. We've got audio editing talent that, uh, you know, we're going to help you end up, you know, uh, looking a little more polished than you would on your own. So check us out, Oxley.com, if you're interested in having a little bit of help in launching a podcast. But today, we're not going to leave you hanging. We're going to give you some real life tips on what we would do if we were in your shoes and getting ready to launch one. Yeah. So so we're going to we're going to go through a kind of series of questions that or essentially posed from an advisor. We're going to answer them about getting started with podcasting. And um, and yeah, and again, if you want some help with it, that's what we're here for. But the first question I have on here is, you know, and the first one I, I had written down was, why is it a compelling medium? I think we already answered that. Right? We talked a lot about the benefits up front. Um, I do want to mention one thing, though, and that is that it's, I think it's less intimidating than video. I think it's less intimidating for advisors than than being on camera. And and look, we love video. Right? We're we're big proponents of it. We have you know over 500 videos on YouTube. Right. We're always trying to add to it. But if you're an advisor and that's something that's a little, you know, it makes you out of comfort zone. This is one where you could have your notes right in front of you, right, just with a microphone. I think I think it's less intimidating in that way. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think in our early days of presenting, when we would do, and this is just you know, by nature of it being almost 15 or right around 15 years ago, when we would go out and speak in front of an audience, that was a lot more intimidating back then than doing a teleconference call. Oh, yeah. Remember, that's the way those. it would be. Yeah. I mean, you would dial into this dial-in line and you would present. But back then, you could have infinite notes in front of you. Yeah. And you felt like, hey, all right, all these stats, all these different tips, all my cheat sheets. Oh, my gosh, Stephen, you're like taking me back here. Do you remember, and I'm sorry, I'm going to go on this tangent, but do you remember when we would do teleconference calls, right, with Matt Oxley, and one of the things we would do is we would pre-record them, and then we would play them through a speak, because Matt was like, oh, I'm going to be here, I'm playing tennis, or I'm doing something, 
And so we would have the time set because it was live. It was live, and then we would play it back through the computer, and we would we would put it on speakerphone on the on the phone. You remember that? I do. Yeah. I had not thought about that in years, but I absolutely remember those old school phones. You'd take the hand set yes. off. Yep. You'd put it on speakerphone and you'd play it. And he would be like, be like "Hi, hey guys, I'm Matt Oxley." Hey guys, hey, we don't have time for questions today. Thanks for joining. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we oh, we never had time for questions. Oh, that was great. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Um, I, I think I took us down a different path. Part but. of our experimentation, right? Yeah, it was. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, if you're a little bit leery about being on video, you don't have to be with podcasting. We typically are. Uh, but, you know, for, for many of you, it's going to be more comfortable to set up the mic exactly like you want it, get all your notes in front of you and work through it. Exactly. And, and, and that's that's going to be easy for a lot of you. So. All right. So we made the case. Hopefully you get the idea. It's you know, there's a lot of benefits to doing something like this and, you know, and, and building authority online. What kind of topics should you consider for your podcast? What do you talk about? We would steer away from anything that's super time sensitive so that your podcast has some mm -hmm. evergreen nature to it. I like that. So you know, think about what happens. Let's say you get 25 episodes in and you've been really regular. If you do things that are really time sensitive, and I'm not saying there's no place for these. If you're a, an asset manager, yeah, do these on a weekly basis around very specific what's happening in the market. Sure. But as a financial advisor, let's say somebody tunes in after you've already put up 25 episodes, you kind of want to, you kind of want them to go back and binge watch some of the others. Mm -hmm. And they are not going to do that if it's too time specific. That's true. It just is not valuable. Yeah. So some of your initial podcasts, you're thinking, hey, I want some good evergreen content. You're thinking about questions you're getting from clients. What are they asking you on a regular basis? Um, you know, you find yourself answering these questions all the time. Take those and turn them into podcasts. Yeah, and I mean, it follows the evolution of the industry that, you know, decades ago, it was more about the buying and selling of individual stocks and your market knowledge that made you valuable. Most of you out there now are more, more holistic in your recommendations. You're more planning focused. That is the crux of your, your podcast conversations. Mm -hmm. So you're thinking about some of the advice that you most naturally offer. If you were to look back at some of the earliest uh, editions of our pat podcast, I honestly, I don't recall what they were, but I'll guarantee you they were bread and butter Oxley recommendations. They were. Yeah. Things that were like, oh yeah, it'd be really easier for us to talk about doing client events. Or, or introductions. Re referrals, right? Yep. That's stuff we talk about all the time. Yep. And for you, I'll guarantee, you know, if you're focused on business owners, there's you know certain conversations you have with them all the time that would make for an easy 30-minute conversation. And you're hinting at something there, which is making sure that all of these topics are really, really relevant to your audience. So whoever you're trying to attract with your podcast, you need to answer their questions. And I think the more specific, the better. Um, you mentioned business owners and, and business owners, again, a lot of advisors work with them. Um, there's an advisor down in Texas I, I was speaking with and he was saying, you know what, um, I'm going to launch a podcast and I'm going to do it, you know, I'm going to interview business owners in the community. And I'm going to make it more about like leadership, right? And what makes a good leader and all of this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. This is like a scaled down version of um, how I built this with Guy Raz, right? Um, but more localized. So you can think about the financial topics, yes, that you're getting. You can also think about just other topics that might be of interest to your target market and how you kind of can suck them in that way. I mean, it's a game of attention. We're just trying to get their attention. Let's dive into that format for a second, Kevin. I think mm -hmm. the most traditional way of doing it is either one or two people speaking onto the microphone. Yep. Uh, and it's not interview style. It's one or two financial advisors from the same firm who are there speaking about a certain topic, mm -hmm. maybe bantering back and forth, very similar to what we're doing here. 
And there are pros and cons to that approach. I think a pro of having, I, I would almost always, if you can, have more than one person involved. Right. It's a little more dynamic. It's a little easier on the presenter. I don't have to come to the table with 100% of the ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, generally I just come with like 90%. And, uh, <laughs> kidding. It's the second uh, jab today. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so what happened. I build these up if we haven't done a podcast. No, I think you plan them in advance. Um, but, you know, you're able to, you know, share the load a little bit. And the same with live presentations. Kevin and I do a fair amount of yeah. live presentations together, and we we much prefer them. They're a whole lot easier. It's, it's funny to, yes, and the feedback we get on those is, man, I can't believe you guys can present like that because we just kind of ad lib back and forth, right? And we, and we toss, and we got good at doing it from the podcast. I mean, yeah. I, I really think that was the practice. But, yeah, two people, I think it would be great. If it's just you, that's okay, too. Um, the idea of interviewing other people is interesting, um, I, you know, it, it helps spread your podcast, right? If I invite other people onto my podcast, they're going to share that they were a guest on my podcast. And it, I think it helps spread the message really quickly. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of plus side to it. I think it's more interesting for the advisor, uh, for the audience. I think it's uh, building connections with these other professionals That's it. or business leaders. It, it is a little harder to set up, yeah, right? So. I mean, instead of us just coming back here and recording, it's us coordinating with other talent to either chime in via Zoom or for us to be on location together. Making sure their quality is really good. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it takes more effort, but I think the end result is, is really cool. I think so, like, too. I'd be very tempted. If, I, if, I, if I'm thinking if I were a financial advisor and I were starting today, I would be very, very tempted to go down that path mm-hmm. uh, because of the connections you'd build that way and the extra reach you'd get through them promoting it to their audience. Yes. So every CPA who's on it, if they do a good job, is want, going to want their client base to see it. And I think there's different paths you can go down. Like Kevin mentioned, this path of leadership. Mm-hmm. And we've seen uh, your advisor in Texas. I worked with uh, a female financial advisor who's going to do it all on female tech executives mm-hmm. and, and talking about the challenges they face and inspiration they may have for, for future leaders. Uh, but you can also do it in ways that are less about you know, personal growth and more about the financial side of things. If I'm a financial advisor and you're an accountant, there are conversations we can have together that would be very additive to both my client base and yours. Yeah. If you're an estate attorney, if you're a director at a funeral home, if you're working at a you know, uh, you know, know, retirement facility, sure. anything like that. I mean, there's so many other professionals out there who could add value to your client base that would make it more interesting than you talking about what happened in the market this week. Yeah. Uh, I- one perspective I have on that, and, and look, I, I like the idea of bringing on guests, and we brought on some guests on our show before, but we do most of them together, mm-hmm. right, is I wonder about, like, I feel like maybe you don't build quite as much authority yourself. Like, if I'm only interviewing other people, right, do I build enough credibility myself? And I think just just one perspective on it. I don't I, think you do. I think the other, I think there are two downsides there. So one yeah. being, maybe you don't establish enough credibility if... You're interviewing them and it's all about them. Yes. And I know for sure at some points, if you're the host and I'm bringing you on to interview you, it's like almost all about you. And I chime in every now and then. Right. And you're exactly right. Not as much credibility. The other piece of it is you worry about, am I going to have the discipline to stick this through and organize guests and get this done? And, you know, the the repetition is half of it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you could put out 25 episodes in a given year, versus five that had a guest host, I'd say put out the 25 yourself. I agree. Yeah. So the, yeah, the pros and cons of both. I mean, reality is don't feel like you always have to have something scheduled with someone. 
every now and then you can be putting out content that's that's just you. There you go. So, yeah. you know, in hindsight, I'm retracting my first thought that I would do it all interview style. I think I would do a hybrid. Yeah. Some that are just me and some with uh, with, with else. You know, specific guests, right? Let's talk about equipment. Um, what type of equipment do you need? And I mean, the first and most obvious one is you want a quality microphone. Right. If you want to know the microphone that we're using right now, this is the Shure SM7B. Um, the one that we include in our kit is the MV7. You want a quality microphone because this is an audio-first platform. Yeah, and it's irritating if you make a mistake <laughs> yes. where all of a sudden you're only coming through the left channel. Like I'm out for a run and I'm listening to a podcast and it's only in the left channel. Oh my gosh. Like, it's terrible. Yeah. It's like we've done that before. Move it on. Yeah, yeah we, we've... Learned a lot of these things from mistakes, and you, you, you know, even like for for us now, we're we're saying okay, a podcast is going to become more audio first versus video as well, right? Like before, we built it more for for video, and then we would have some people who are more you know audio files messaging us and saying there's some more echo in there, right? The, the audio quality isn't as good as it should be, so we worked on it over yeah. the past five years. Think about who your competition is in this space. So if I'm out for for a run later today and I listen to a podcast from ESPN. And then I listen to a podcast from my local financial advisor. It's all one in the same medium. True. But they've got you know, millions of dollars worth of equipment yep. and, and employees there. And it's you in your office. You can, it, it's not as if you, you can't compete with that, mm -hmm. but you've got to spend a little bit of money to, to, to compete and to sound in the same ballpark. Yes. And you notice the same with video quality, not to get off on too much of a tangent, but in our earliest days of video, it was like you were only going to appear on YouTube or through our newsletter. Whereas now, when people stream content on their home TVs, you may very well be showed on a 75-inch TV. Yes. It, it, the, the, the need for quality is more, you know, more now. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's something that that's, I think a mantra that we have here internally is like we're always trying to improve the quality of everything that we're doing. Um, we have some very talented people here um, that, that help us with that. But we believe it deep down. I, re I remember when, um, sorry, the video aspect, when you were like, hey, man, I, I pulled up Blippi on my TV at home. You remember this? And you're like, and I, you know, expanded it. Man, it's amazing quality. Well, I, you know, this I noticed is before he had like stuff in Target and was like huge. It's like the guy invested in that stuff. Well, and yes, and he showed the behind the scenes of how he did it. And he was like, he had a ton of equipment. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, then it would fast, you know, if our kids would be on my YouTube channel and click over to one of our videos to, to get a kick out of it. It's like, oh man, that looks really bad right. on a 75, you know, or however, what size TV. Exactly. Um, so anyway, equipment wise... We're not going to spend a lot of time on that. Uh, it, it is something headphones. that, yeah, headphones, mic, editing equipment, uh, but more importantly than any of that is know-how. So if you want to learn how to do it yourself, it's this terrible advice from uh, a high-priced consultant, but watch some YouTube videos and figure it out. Um, I don't think it's terrible advice. I mean, that's what we do. When we want to learn something about videography or podcasting, we Google it and we look at YouTube videos because there's a lot of really smart people out there. Mm -hmm. But if you're not naturally inclined to do that, hire somebody like us to do it for you. Yep. Um, next question I have here is, do I really need a snazzy intro and outro? You know, like some really cool hip music coming in, some, you know, some words on top of that. Hey, welcome to my podcast on blah, blah, blah. Or you're listening to the XYZ show. Like, do I need that as a part of my podcast or can I just, you know, turn on the, start recording, turn on the mic and, and, and go. What do you think, Steven? Hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> well, what, what, what are I mean, people doing? Truth, truthfully, you, know? you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Right? I mean, you can go totally organic and just talk into the mic the whole time, but it's yeah. kind of dry in comparison to what other people do. Yeah. Now, so 
you, you want it to be very polished and professional. You don't want to go overboard. Like it's a podcast. People don't want to sit there and listen to your intro forever. Like I get annoyed with some podcasts I'll listen to that are like, can you cut to it? Or you end up fast forwarding through the first three minutes of it because be between the intro and all the yep. promotions, you're like I am absolutely certain the first five minutes are going to be a waste of time. Yeah. So I, I agree. You want it to be catchy. You want it to set the stage that this is high end production, mm -hmm. that you're not winging it from your, your basement. I also think that there's some, you know, if you're really into a podcast, I think there's almost like a comforting feeling that happens when you hear that music or that, mm -hmm. you know, it chime in. You're like, oh, here it comes, right? It like sets the mood for the podcast. I think about that because my wife listens to a ton of true crime podcasts. I mean, there was, I guess there was like some sort of true crime convention going on in Las Vegas. And she was like, I kind of want to go, right? And this was like, and I was like, uh, really? Like this? You really want to go to that? The She's only people that go to that are ones who are looking to commit future crimes. Like, <laughs> well, you've you, gone you beyond meet, streaming. It's it. like meeting your favorite podcasters. I mean, and honestly, that should speak to the growth of the medium in itself. Like yeah. that whole convention is about you get to go there and you get to meet some of your favorite podcasters. And there's one that I like, and it's called Morbid. And I, and I know I'm curious if anyone has ever heard of this, but they have some really interesting intros. They have like it's I think it's two sisters who do it, but. When you hear it, you know it. Yeah. I think it's that recognition of like, oh, I hear that coming. Oh, I know that's morbid. And it's a good podcast. My wife used to watch uh, on TV, Snapped, like where the, <laughs> typically, uh, you know, one spouse snaps on the other. It's like, I don't like this. Yeah. Maybe Listen, you should find something else to watch. Snapped to me sounds worse than like a true crime podcast. Snapped yeah. sounds like someone who just went off their hinges. When she really got into that, I was like, Kevin, hey, um, if I don't show up to work on Monday, <laughs> yeah, it was her. Yeah. Anyway, but, yeah, but any, so yes, you do want something that's memorable that sticks with people. Doesn't have to be very long, but it elevates the overall um, quality of your deliverable. Same thing with channel art, right? We and we talked about that. I mean, you, just, it, it, you when you think about video and you think about a thumbnail on your video and how that's the first perspective or you know or opinion someone's going to make about your video is like it, it's an idea of how quality is this. And I've seen some advisor podcasts that are good podcasts, but that channel art, I'm thinking. Who designed that channel art for you? Because it's not a good reflection of the quality that's inside. And again, I, I know that whole never judge a book by its cover, but people do, right? We do. So you want to make sure that it resonates with your target market and looks really professional. And that works on two levels. If you're in a podcast directory and you're searching for finance-related podcast, you're going to select and, and listen to the ones that look like they're worth your time. Mm -hmm. And the art matters there. And also when you go to send this to people, they're going to see your podcast art when they decide whether or not to subscribe, like your clients and your yes. COIs, make yeah. it look good. Yeah. Right? Agreed. How do you promote this? So like you, okay, cool. I, I, I bought into it. I started recording. I got all the, the, um, the creative is done. I have my first episode up. What do I do with that thing? And like, how do I, start getting some subscribers and getting people to consume this content that I'm putting a lot of time and energy into. I'm guessing, Kevin, I don't know this, but I'm guessing you could probably pay someone and they could build subscribers. You might be right. You could probably pay like $35 and get 16,000 subscribers from all over the world. It's <laughs> not a good idea. It's not a good idea. Um, I, you know what I hate now that I have these headphones is I, you whisper. I can whisper. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, not a good idea. It defeats the whole purpose. They're not doing business with you. Right. You're not doing podcasting. So you feel cool and feel popular because you've got a lot of subscribers. You're doing it for, you know, what in all likelihood is going to be a few hundred at best, a few thousand subscribers that mean a lot 
to you and your business. I think that's a, that's an that's important the to goal realize. Goal is not celebrity, and we and we frankly we've worked and had calls with financial advisors who've achieved that status in some way to where mm -hmm. a lot of people follow their their YouTube channel or yep. you would think of them and be like, wow, he or she must be so successful. Right. Their business must be huge. And yet you talk with them and it hadn't translated. Yeah. Because on one level, they're super popular online. On another level, it's not within the certain subset of community that they're really trying to make a mark with. Right. Right. It's, so it's you, the wrong group of you'd followers. You'd rather have yeah. 300 subscribers in your community who have money or who have occupations that could refer you, you know, they're CPAs or attorneys, you'd rather have 300 of them than 3,000 people around the country who kind of, you know, maybe aren't qualified for you. Yeah. We, we had a, we had a client once who um, had paid someone else to do advertising on their Facebook account and they had built like 4,000 subscribers. It was like, wow, that's amazing. And you take a look at the data behind it. They're all in like around the world and a lot of them are fake and then the organic reach drops and it was just like a lot of effort for absolutely no return i mean i'd rather have just a few people like you said who are really quality listen to this and consume it than a broader audience of people who will never do business with me ever so uh much like our advice when we're saying how to build a facebook uh business page following mm -hmm. or any any social network if you're trying to be a, build a following the low-hanging fruit are people that you already know yeah so as you build a podcast you put out your first episode Start talking to clients about it in every conversation. Hey, you listen to podcasts? I just launched a podcast. Yeah. Talking to COIs. Hey, just launched a podcast. Subscribe. That's the low-hanging fruit. And beyond that, we want to publish it through our social profiles. Yep. Newsletter. Through your newsletter. Absolutely. Any, you know, any way that you can post, not just that you have a podcast, but perhaps a snippet of that podcast natively to those networks helps. Um, also running, getting Facebook reviews. ads. I was going to say reviews, yeah, yeah. but Facebook ads, Google ads, um, YouTube ads. If you're if you're using the video component, I think that there's some some benefit to doing all of those things to build the right subscribers. We've seen this just uh, through clients that we've worked with here mm -hmm. for the predate the podcasting platform that we now uh, are running. But when they would come to us and say, "I have a podcast. I want to use your social content services or your digital advertising services to promote that." It's just absolutely remarkable to me the difference between a podcast who has had no promotion over the years, mm -hmm. who might have a few dozen subscribers that are like close friends and family, and then you start to put some marketing money behind it. It is remarkable how much more quickly it grows. I, I agree. It, yeah. it's, we run know. ads for some advisors right now with their podcast, and when I'm talking to some of our digital ad specialists, they're like, oh, no, this ad's crushing it right now. And it's just it's much more compelling than just a call to action of, hey, you should schedule a meeting with us, right? It's it's promoting something valuable. When we're talking about, you know, just Oxley observations right now with regards to social in, mm -hmm. in general, it is more long game. It is more content driven. It is more pull rather than push. It is all about being in their newsfeed, yep. in their ear over the long term so that when there is a need, when they are selling a business, changing jobs, inheriting money, nearing retirement that they're thinking about you because you're always in their ear. You're mm -hmm. always in their palm, in the palm of their hand. Yeah. That's what we're after. One of our, we, our coaches, we had a, a coach's retreat uh, just a, a couple of weeks ago. And one of our coaches was, was talking about this. And this guy's, I mean, he's a veteran of the industry, been around a long time. And he said, you know, selling financial services is hard because it's, someone's not just walking down the street and like, is like, oh, you know what? I need an advisor. There's usually some sort of, life event that happens, right? There's a moment that occurs where they think, Ugh, I need to get some advice. I need that. And so what we're playing here is up until that point. 
Like we're, we're, we're like, to your point, it's like, I want you to be thinking about me all the time. And so when that moment occurs, it's like, well, of course I'm going to call Steven, right? I mean, listen to the podcast, I've been watching the videos. He's always on LinkedIn, right? He met, he, I get his newsletter. I mean, it's all of those things that surmount to that pivotal moment and you are the only option that they even want to consider. You like that? I do. Yeah. yeah, I like it. The only option. <laughs> so anyway, um, that's all I have, Stephen, in terms of questions. I mean, I think we covered a lot of um, ground for kind of getting started with with podcasting. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's not a lot to lose with getting into podcasting, in my opinion. Yeah. Let's say that you are completely unsure about whether or not you want to get into it. Certainly, you can call our office and have a call. We're, we're wide open to that. Uh, you know, in terms of talking about our program and whether or not it would, it would be a, a fit for you. But also experiment with the the idea. Subscribe to some other people's podcasts. Yeah. See what they talk about. See if you think that might match your style. And, um, you know, decide whether or not it's audio only or with video. There's so many things to think about, but we think it's a worthwhile endeavor. It's a big project, but a fun one. Yeah. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you have not subscribed to our podcast, please do so. Take like a half a second right now. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, maybe even go to our YouTube channel too. subscribe there and make sure that you're notified when a new podcast is released because we plan on putting out more. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining everybody. Good to see you as always. That was episode 100. Hey, little mama, let me whisper in your ear. <laughs>